Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Emily. And this is The Claw Crypt. Crack open a cold one with us. While we discuss everything true crime, mysteries, conspiracies, and much more. And then we have coffee. Maybe Australian, like coffee, but coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I am saving that as the intro to this episode. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> We're back. Yeah, after, after a month ish. It's been like two. Is it really? It's been because I, I, our last episode that we posted was in May. It's July. Oh, yeah, because we weren't done with West Memphis, so we didn't put it out yet. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in the process of giving you guys West Memphis, if that counts. Yeah. I got COVID. <laughs> and then I got COVID. And um, life has just been kind of hectic. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in the process of finding a new job. I've been working my ass off. I did get a new job, and then they decided that they were going to close, so I had to get another new job. <laughs> Adulting's just great right now. Yeah. I'll tell you, the month of June, I was, like, busy every day that I had off. It was ridiculous. And on top of that, planning for Vegas, because that's in a few weeks. 28 days? 29 days. I think so, yeah. So, like, three weeks. From today. A little over three weeks, yeah. Yeah. Less than a month. Maybe. Anyways. Okay. So, okay, today we're talking about Aaron Caffey. Oh, that is really good. <laughs> it is really good. We're drinking wine today, not White Claw. We're fancy today. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to do what you did, just so I don't have to pour while I'm talking. Cause I'm not no bitch. I don't I'll like make a glass mess. like a quarter of the way full. I have no full-ass wine glass. <laughs> I don't understand why, why do fancy people only fill up like this much of the wine glass, like not even an inch, and they'll pay like $10 for a glass of wine that's like that. Like, if I'm paying $10 for a glass of wine... You better top that bitch to Even the just, brim. like, 7 bucks for a glass of wine. Yeah, it's going to the top. I'll, I'll do that, like, slurp thing before I pick it up so I don't spill it. Exactly. Like, that's how full I want it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Don't come with your pussy energy and quarter-inch filled wine glass. Yeah. I like to think I'm fancy, but I also like my wine. Right? I, I keep forgetting like, a buzz off of it. Fuck. I keep forgetting that one's, like, slightly carbonated, so it's, like, weird on my tongue. I keep freaking out. The fizzle feeling. <laughs> yes, the fizzle. Okay, so we're going to talk about Aaron Caffey. So, a small town in Texas, a wife and her two sons were found dead in their burning house. The dad and 16-year-old daughter, Aaron, survived. Oh, but, I remember you telling me about, yeah. like, okay. But Aaron is not necessarily, like, a victim in this story. So, yeah. I can talk about how the, like, super smart, religious, caring girl that she was, like, known for became, like, fucked up. And I don't even know. Like, she had to have some sort of mental illness or something going on with her. Because she's... Don't we all? (laughs) She, like, flipped so fast, though. It was... Okay. We'll just talk about it. You'll see what I mean. She's probably got, like, three different personalities like I do. Like... (laughs) Actually, I probably have a little more than three, but... Okay, so Erin was born on July 27th, 1991. Her parents were Penny and Terry. Oh, damn. She's actually fairly young. Yes. She has two brothers. A thir- or she has two brothers. One of them's 13 years old, and his name is Matthew, and the eight-year-old brother is Tyler. Um, her parents were pretty conservative and protective. They were known, like, in the community as, like, really good people because Terry would bring medical supplies to people that needed it and Penny would do like seamstress stuff for people that like couldn't fix their own clothes or afford to get new ones. You keep saying Penny and I keep thinking of my mom. (laughs) (laughs) But okay so when I say like conservative and protective it's nothing over the top. Like they're just like. They're not like you can't go out and yeah you have to stay within five feet of the yard. It just seems like normal slightly strict parenting it's not that bad at all i've had friends that... probably like what my parents were like yeah. you know like 
you can't watch rated R movies until you're 15, you know, or mm-hmm. 13. And when she was 13, her food, her foo. <laughs> <laughs> you were say her food. <laughs> her family moved from Alba, Texas to Celeste, Texas, I think is how you say it. Um, so they were closer to Miracle Faith, which is a conservative Baptist church. So religious, pretty yes. religious family. Um, Penny and Aaron both sang in the choir. Aaron was so good that she like brought people to tears when she sang. It was like a big thing, and the whole that family. A lot, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, and the whole family played instruments. Like if they could have had like the classic family band if things had oh, played out like properly. The Jackson Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little tambourine and some bongos. Oh, hell yeah. I wish my parents would have, you know. That would have been so fun. Have a little family I mean, now I think it would have been fun, but 15-year-old me would have been like, no, I'm not being in your family band. (laughs) This is weird, Mom. Why are you making me play the banjo? Like... Okay, so Erin went to public school until she was in eighth grade. One month into the school year, uh, a girl tried to kiss Erin. And Aaron told her parents, and of course her parents were like horrified, <laughs> like, oh my god. And they pulled her out of school and began teaching her a Bible-based curriculum at home. Okay, that's a little excessive. Yes. But I suppose it is probably back in like early 2000s, and mm-hmm. it wasn't really as accepted as it is now. Terry <laughs> later said in an interview like years after this whole incident that uh, his family was, quote, shocked by the culture of bisexuality and he basically blamed them for confusing his daughter oh come on yeah oh that's what he thought back then people that turn out gay and bi and stuff like that they've watched you know movies and read books about straight couples and they still turned out gay yeah like (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't, doesn't change anything so Erin was known to be a very, like, social girl, but now that she was, like, forced to do homeschooling, she was really isolated from everyone outside of the church, so she really only had the church and her family. Um, she didn't really have friends. Uh, <laughs> I put in my notes <laughs> with parentheses, this is a recipe for a rebellious child. <laughs> I, don't I mean, e- yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember putting that in there, but yes. <laughs> Past Kenzie, you are correct. <laughs> When Erin was 16, she was allowed to get a job at Sonic. Some people say she went back to, like, public school at this time, but it's kind of like every website will tell you, like, oh, she's still in homeschool. Oh, no, she was back in public school. So it's kind, kind of, of up in the air. Kind of off thing. Yeah. Like. I'm not sure. But one of her coworkers said, uh, quote, she was so sheltered, it seemed like she was seeing the world for the first time. Sounds like the one coworker that we had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'd come up to me randomly. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and he's here for you. And I'm like, <laughs> how many times have I told you that I don't believe in God? <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry if I offended you, but like, I, I am entitled to my own beliefs and you're entitled to yours. But not. And he was like, oh, I said his name. <laughs> I'll bleep it out. But he would like ask me advice about his past girlfriend slash. I think they still had a thing last time he came back to work. I know they're done, done now. But like he would ask me advice on it. I was like, dude, you're like twenty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's twenty one. He's twenty one. I'm pretty oh, sure no. he's like the same age as us. Great. Yeah, no, that was, he, it was just weird. He thought work was like a therapy session when he talked to me. Going on, um, talking about her fucking, is it normal that she got her period when we <laughs> Or almost, I guess, they never actually did, because, I don't know. Okay. So, Anyways. <laughs> while she worked at Sonic, she met a guy by the name of Charlie, who was known as, like, he was a high school senior, but he was known as kind of, like, a hothead. He was very, like, lose control of his emotions easily. He's probably, like, a bad boy in her eyes. Yes, very much bad boy vibes. High school girls love bad boys. <laughs> now we're going to talk about Charlie a little bit, because he's a big part in the story. Do so, Charlie went to Rain's high school. Um, according to his teachers, he was overall, like, a pretty good student, besides his temper. And he... <laughs> 
the only other like big issue they have with him is um, he was often asked to take his oversized cowboy hat off and he would start arguments about that. Sounds like someone we went to school with about a snapback. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Some of his like classmates came out since this whole incident and started calling him like saying like, oh, he was so manipulative and stuff like that. But I don't know if that's like true or just because they knew what happened and like that's why they're saying it. Spade opinions. Yeah, exactly. Or biased opinions, I guess, would be the correct term for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't pass so, English class for a reason. He had plans to join the army, and he had already completed, like, pre-boot camp, is what they called it. Oh, so he was a military boy. Yes. Uh, and he was always wearing these stupid camel pants, which I hate camel pants. <laughs> hate them. I don't know. I feel like I would rock some, like, red camel pants, like the cargo pants. I've seen him on Sheen. Maybe. I don't know. I just don't like camo. (laughs) I can't see you. Camouflage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, during hunting season, like opener, they have uh, camouflage Mountain Dew cans. They do? Yeah. They've had like camouflage Mountain Dew cans before. They do it like every year. And I was drinking one, and my mom came downstairs. This was, like, years ago when I still lived with my mom. But my mom came downstairs. She's like, hey, are you drinking one of my Mountain Dews? I was like, no. You can't see it because it's camouflage. I was like, ha, ha, ha. It's so funny. I'm so funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, classmates said that he was, like, pretty quick to anger, but, like, also he was, like, quiet and weird. So, like... Same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of an all-over-the-place person. Same. Starting to relate to Charlie a little bit. (laughs) So Erin and Charlie met while she was working at Sonic. And this is kind of where, like, the love story starts. Aww. Yeah. Cute. So Terry said um, when they first heard about Charlie, they wanted to, like, meet him like most parents would. Yeah. And they decided to have him over for dinner. When Terry got home from work, um, Charlie was already there because he, like, worked late, so then... Charlie was already, like, in the house when Terry got home. And Terry walked up to Charlie, stuck his hand out to shake, and, like, said, basically, you must be Charlie. Nice to meet you. And Charlie just said, yeah, and you are. (laughs) Wow, great first impression, Charlie. I was like, (laughs) Okay. Damn it, Charlie. So Terry told Penny, her mom, that he did not like Charlie, and Penny was just like, you're overreacting, and you're being protective, and Terry replied, like, maybe, but there was something about him that he said just didn't seem right. Usually it's the mother's instinct that senses those kinds of things. And trust me, when my mom has those instincts, she's dead on. Mm Mm-hmm. I swear to God, she's like psychic or something. So, Charlie and Aaron started seeing each other. Obviously, her parents did not approve, and they tried to make them break it off. Um, they were young and in love. Aww. They didn't really care, and they kept seeing each other, and they didn't really care what the parents had to say about it. Sounds a little familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at first, they, like, after a few weeks, they did allow um, Charlie to come over for dinner a few days a week. And he had to leave by 9 p.m. And Aaron was allowed to talk to him on the phone until 10 on school nights and later on weekends. Which sounds reasonable. Like, it's, you know, normal parenting, you know. Just make sure you're going to bed on time, whatever, you know. Yeah, and supervised visits. I mean, like. My parents made me leave the door open all the time whenever I had a guy over, even though I wasn't interested in that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it was, really. (laughs) I'm like, why do I need to leave the door open? Okay. Um, so Charlie would sometimes go to church with the family, but it was said that he acted inappropriately there by, like, kissing and hugging, and one person Ooh. saw Charlie with his hand up Aaron's shirt. Oh! In church. Oh! That's, um... <laughs> in a Baptist conservative church. That's pretty ballsy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Gotta give him a little bit of props, though. (laughs) Go, Charlie. (laughs) I just hope he was, like, trying to be secretive and, like, maybe someone just, like, 
spotted them and like were they were busted. I hope he wasn't just like out in the open like just hey, let me yeah. see them titties. Like you know? during the service, just like all up on her, you know? Mm, boobies. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so You're sitting here preaching God and all I can think about is her titties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a teenage boy. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so her parents said they started to see Charlie get aggressive and possessive over Aaron. Uh, this kind of where things start to go downhill. Aaron's attitude started to change, and she would get, like, really angry if she couldn't talk to Charlie, which seems normal, but they thought that it was, like, excessive anger, like, more than a usual teenager would have. I was going to say, teenagers usually are a little protective over their stuff like that, and they don't really know better. Like, I did the same thing. Yeah. Like, you're not letting me talk to my boyfriend. What the fuck, mom? Yeah. Even though it was for pretty valid reasons that I see now. All right, so they started sneaking around and obviously sleeping with each other after all that. Big no-no. Bad, bad yes. shit on you. Even after a few months of dating, Charlie gave Aaron his grandmother's engagement ring. Ooh. Uh, some say that it was a promise ring, but, like, Aaron took it as an engagement ring. So, yeah. yeah. That's a little, um... And if it was an engagement ring, he definitely didn't ask family for permission. And he started acting like... After that, he started kind of, like, acting like he had owned the house. And, like, he... He was, like, top boss there all of a sudden. Oh, God. Yeah. And he kind of be an ass to her family and rub it in her face that he's going to be with Aaron. And they don't really care what the parents think, basically. Yeah, it's starting to feel like it's going downhill a little bit. Yeah, and, like, those are your... If it is an engagement ring, those are your future, like, in-laws. You don't want to piss them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he didn't even ask her family for permission, like, that's such a mm-hmm. important thing, I feel like, because you're going to be their family for the rest of their life, and, like, that's their daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so the whole engagement slash promise ring thing pissed Aaron's parents off, obviously, and him acting like he had suddenly owned their family home. Um, Yeah, that's just a little weird. They said Aaron can see Charlie once a week supervised at their house. How old are they at this point? Like 16, 17. Okay, that's reasonable then. Yeah, so... A big part of the whole, like, supervised once a week at her house was... Not only the engagement promise ring asshole behavior, but it was also the fact that her grades were, like, really starting to drop at this time. So, they were like, oh, you're staying up too late talking to him on the phone, or you're hanging out with him too much and not focusing on school. Like, we're going to cut your time down so you can hang out with him and get your schoolwork done. Right. So, they weren't being, like, complete assholes about it. They were just trying to do what's best for her. Yeah. I wish my parents would have done that when I was with you-know-who, because... Well, let's be honest, that really, my schooling went downhill, even though I sucked at school to begin with, but it all got worse. Right, they also told Erin that she needed to, like, break it off with Charlie eventually. And um, after hearing that, she told her parents, like, oh, thank you, I've been looking for a way out. And the parents were all happy that the whole situation would be over soon and they'd get their daughter back. <clears throat> She's lying. Yeah. <laughs> Erin made a plan to run away from her mom and she took her like phone and keys and Erin then like changed her plan and she told Charlie quote killing her parents was the best option oh you should have just ran away yeah (laughs) that's what we all do we all that's normal run away as teenagers for an hour or two and then we're home in time for dinner because we're hungry and we don't got jobs and we realize that you can't make it out in the world without (laughs) money and shelter one time i pretended like i was running away from my mom but i was lazy even as a kid so i ran out into the garage of our house and like well no okay I ran down the driveway like I was running away, but then I looped back around through the trees into our garage, and I hid behind a mattress that we had in there. And I texted my mom every so often. I was like, oh, I'm almost to Bella's house. You remember Bella? 
Yeah. Yeah, she lived, like, three miles from my house. And I was like, no way, you're almost there. I was like, yeah, I'm running away, Mom, remember? I'm running as fast as I can. And I was really just chilling behind the mattress. <laughs> she knew the whole time. <laughs> My mom made it very clear to me when I told her I was going to run away. She's like, I'll help you pack your suitcase, but you're not going to have food. You're not going to have money. You're not going to have this and this and this. And who's going to do this for you? And then you're also going to miss, like your playstation and all your toys and stuff like that and i'm like oh shit she's got a point like (laughs) i think (laughs) i'm pretty sure i ran away because my mom told me i couldn't go to thunderblades the roller skating place we'd all go to (laughs) i i'm pretty sure that's the only reason that i would have had at that time to run away because i had to have been in like sixth grade somewhere between sixth and seventh yeah that that would be reasonable probably like the lock-ins yeah that might have been it Because the lock-ins were such a huge thing. Everybody went to those. So before Erin started telling all these, like, lies, basically, to her friends about her parents beating her, and she was... (laughs) What? Yeah, so, like, weeks before she said, let's kill my parents, she started saying to her friends and boyfriend that her parents were beating her and that she was so afraid of them and of course her obsessive and possessive boyfriend was the hero was pissed when he oh. heard this <coughs> i was thinking you were gonna say she was making him out to be like the hero i mean probably like making it like oh i feel so safe when i'm with you type of a thing mm-hmm. make people think that he's a good guy yeah so when she brought up like the killing idea he was under the impression that her parents were like awful people which is weird because he had spent how much time with a couple months at least with them and but you do really never know what's going on behind closed doors so i will give him that but like you should be a little smarter than this my guy like and like context clues no bruises or anything on her obviously they were doing shit so you would see yeah Exactly. Even if they were in, like, hidden spots, it was like <laughs> Michelle Nodick in that book that I was reading, she would make sure that she did it in places where other people wouldn't see. Mm-hmm. So when they went out and stuff, you know, they'd never know. I've heard of that, too. All right, so the murders were planned for March 1st, 2008. Um, from about 11.46 to 12.40, Aaron had called Charlie six times asking where he was because he was supposed to kill her parents. What ended up happening was Charlie and his two friends, who we'll bring up in a minute, uh, they pulled into her driveway and the dog was outside and started barking like crazy. And they got scared and left. (laughs) I would have too. (laughs) So Erin was begging for him to come back at this point. And she brought the dog into her room and got in the car with them because they eventually like drove back. They're like, fine, we'll come pick you up. Just, Make sure the dog's not there. They were got in the car with them. They went to the cemetery for an hour. The cemetery, of all places. Why the cemetery? Don't you know, know. how many times that I've gone into that cemetery that was by our houses? Nothing good ever happened there. No. <laughs> we always got the cops called, and I just wanted to play ghost in the graveyard mm-hmm. in an actual graveyard. Like, <laughs> that's all I wanted to do. So, at the cemetery, they were there for a little over an hour-ish, and they basically planned the whole murder there. Um, Aaron made it clear that her two brothers needed to die so they didn't have any witnesses. Sad. Uh, Aaron was saying stuff like, quote, if you love me, then you'll kill them. And once... This is really twisted. Yeah, and once they are gone, we'll be happy. And, like, making all these false promises, which are fucking ridiculous. How can you say that about your family? Like... That didn't... I could understand if it, like... If they were actually assholes. Yeah, if they were doing that... Like, actually doing that shit to her, but... For people that, like, literally loved and cared about you your whole life, and then you go and make up a bunch of this shit about them, and you're like, no, they have to die. So I can be happy. That is so selfish and wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron's a bitch. (laughs) So, Charlie, her boyfriend, was 18 at this point. Charles, another friend that they had brought with. Charles uh, and Charlie, I love it. Yes. Charles was 20 and Bobby was 18. Bobby's a girl. 
Um, Aaron Bobby. was Aaron was still sixteen at this point, which planning a murder at sixteen. <laughs> She probably hasn't watched enough true crime either. No. <laughs> so, it wasn't around as much as it is today. <laughs> Charles Wade, the 20-year-old Charles, not the boyfriend. Okay. Um, he was going through a divorce at 20 years old, which is already, like, a lot. Plus, he had a kid. And yeah. he did the murder thingies and, like, agreed to go along with everything because... Aaron said, like, oh, we have $2,000 in the safe that you can use for lawyers and stuff like that so you can get custody of your kid. This is... So, that's why he got roped into it. He's got a lot going on because this man... He shouldn't have killed anyone. No. But, like, also, like... A divorce and a kid at 20 years old, like, that's younger than I am. And I couldn't imagine having a divorce and a kid already going on in my life. That it, oh my god. Yeah, fuck that. When they get married, eighteen. I don't know. I <laughs> like, didn't look up too much on Charlie or Charles, not Charlie. Different people. So they go back to the house with a gun and two samurai swords. <laughs> Same. Charlie <laughs> and Charles walk up to the house. Um, Fucking samurai swords. Aaron and Bobby both waited in the car. So, the two guys walked into the parents' bedroom. Uh, The parents were sleeping. It was almost like 2 a.m. at this point. And they kicked the bedroom door open, and it made a loud noise. Terry said that he sat up and thought it was just Tyler, the younger brother, uh, who had had another nightmare. And right when he sat up, he was shot 11 times. Damn, that's excessive. Excessive. 11 times. That's a lot. That's, like, a lot, a lot. He must have been, like, really pissed off. Because a lot of times they say that the more bullets, the more angry the murder was, and that's how they decide whether it was, like, personal or stuff. Yeah. Because when it gets personal, you're like, fuck you. Then Charles went to shoot the mom, but the gun jammed, so they took the sword and just stabbed her in the neck to the point where they almost decapitated her. Jeez. Yeah. Then they heard a little boy yelling upstairs. First, they unjammed the gun. Then they made their way up the steps. Matthew, the 13-year-old, was on the top of the steps, and he started begging uh, Charlie to stop and asked why, like, why are you doing this, blah, blah, blah. And he just shot him in the face. Oh. Yeah. Now they needed to find 8-year-old Tyler. He was hiding. He was 8? Eight. 8. He oh was my hiding God. in the closet when they found him. That poor little boy was probably scared out of his goddamn mind. He was in the fetal position, and they stabbed him. How could you do that? He's not an eight-year-old. What are you going to do? Like, what's he going to do? You know, you could have probably tied the closet shut and called it good. Well, no, not with this scenario. Cause was... Buy him a candy bar, and he'd probably keep his mouth shut. Like, you know? Yeah, it's just an eight-year-old. You don't have I to mean, kill I'm not. Him condoning this behavior by any means but no like, but like the eight-year-old god why would you go after the fucking little kid that's just wrong yeah. it's, oh not wait well, i mean all of it is wrong yeah. <laughs> so point. once they thought the family was dead they went through the house looking for money and valuables uh the safe aaron was talking about only had three hundred dollars in it you know, that sounds like a lot when you're 16 years old, but really $300 doesn't go very far. No, and Charles, the 20-year-old, was expecting 2000 in it. Um, so they grabbed a bag and that Erin had, like, pre-packed with clothes and stuff that she wanted. And whatever was in the safe and valuables that they had, basically, which was not much. Once they had everything, they lit a bunch of blankets on fire and booked ass out of there, basically. They just like, bye. Why blankets? Because, like, they're very flammable and they'll, like, up in flames. Yeah, but, like, if you think about the FBI side of it, I mean, like, if I were to go and kill someone like that. There's an 18 and 16-year-old with a 20-year-old hoping for $2,000. I don't think they're focused on that too much. Yeah, you you know, you got a point, but, like, I don't know, go to the laundry room or something and find an outlet and at least, like, stick a knife in an outlet or something. I think that'll start a fire. 
It'll spark, but I don't think it'll, like, start a fire. Probably fire. electrocute them, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> Probably kill them. Um, I don't know. Anything. Well, not to mention, the fucking mom's almost decapitated. A fire's not gonna do that. Yeah. And I don't think the fire's gonna burn hot enough to completely burn their bodies. No. And you'll see it in, like, the bones and shit. I don't yeah. know, but what do you think? Blankets just somehow suddenly combust and all of a sudden boom blankets on fire like they do somehow... light up really especially like comforters and stuff like that out of nowhere though they I'm... don't just all of a sudden blanket well on no fire. but if you like light a bunch of spots on the blankets on fire then like eventually like that'll be enough to burn down a whole house like quite a bit yeah yeah i don't know I'm, I guess I'm looking more at the evidence side of it. I wouldn't want to leave evidence. They didn't have investigation discovery or oxygen back then. <laughs> hey, this was probably like <laughs> 2013. Not even. <laughs> this is like... Was, well, she was 16. She was born in 1991. So by 2000, she was... Four. No. Yeah. Nine. Nine. Not four. <laughs> I forgot there's another five after five. 10, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 7 years. So 2007. 2007. Investigation discovery might have been a thing, but it was probably shitty and small. There was the bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna yes. do? Yes. I would sit on the floor and watch that with my dad all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what they didn't know was Terry was still alive. And he said, quote, I knew I had to live so I could say who did this. Terry, you motherfucking badass. <laughs> Eleven gunshot wounds. And this motherfucker's still alive. Yeah, and he... He's a roach. He said he, like, looked at his wife, who was clearly dead, and just knew that the boys had to have been dead, so he, like, crawled out of the house. That's gotta be so hard. And then you're he, like on the brink of death and you're like, oh, my family's dead. My daughter did this. Now I gotta live. He doesn't know his daughter did it at this point. Oh. But, so he crawled once he got out of the door oh, of his house, his burning house with his, basically his whole family in it. He crawled another 300 yards through a creek to his neighbor's house. And the neighbor called 911 and the dispatcher asked Terry where, like, he was injured, and he couldn't even tell because he was just covered in so much blood. Like, he I was mean, just like, I don't even know, your man. Your adrenaline's like, probably running so high that, like, everything hurts. And, but I, Terry, you motherfucking badass. <laughs> so the ambulance picks him up, and he immediately says it was Charlie Wilkinson. It was Charles, or it was Charlie Wilkinson and Char, Charles Wade. Um small town everyone knows everyone so it wasn't like they were being sneaky and like you know so charles dropped charlie and aaron off at charlie's house very confusing with all the chars i know um right afterwards charlie and aaron hooked up wow so romantic like 20 minutes after killing her family that's like the episode in sons of anarchy where they killed one dude and then they're just like let's fuck like oh is that normal? Is that a thing people do? Like, I Must know. be like an adrenaline thing. I just like adrenaline, but it doesn't turn me on. Like, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so on the way to Charlie's house before they had sex, she's, she said, quote, Holy shit, that was awesome. I'm free. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a... Poetic phrase. Charles said she looked happier than a kid on Christmas. That's sad. That is terrifying. So the police go to Charlie's house because of what um, Terry had said. So they were like, well, we got to check out this Charlie dude. And his house was an absolute mess. Um, So they found Charlie and tell him to come to the police station. And right next to him, they saw like a bloody t-shirt. So the police got a warrant, obviously, to search the rest of his house. And one of the cops sees a just blonde hair sticking out a pile of shit. And, uh... A literal pile of shit? Or just no, like just, like, trash. Okay. And I was like, damn, they took a shit in the house, too? So wow. he thinks that it's a doll, so he goes to pull up on this, like, blonde hair, and Aww. fucking Aaron's head comes up. 
Ah. Yeah, like Aaron's like, whoa. Peekaboo. Aaron starts lying out of her ass and she's like, where am I? What happened? A cop told her she was at Charlie's house and her family was hurt. So she says that she was like drugged and kidnapped and blah, blah, blah. Immediately starts playing the victim like right away. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. So they put her in the car, like in the cop car. And they were feeling really bad for her after, like... I wish they weren't. (laughs) Yeah, they were feeling, like, horrible for her at this point. After her father got out of surgery, they tell him that Aaron, like, was alive. And he was super happy about it. Just over the moon, obviously. Like, oh my god, someone in my family is alive. (laughs) This is ruining me right now. Yeah, it's a lot. So once they get to the police station for a statement, one of the investigators asked if Aaron smelled like smoke. And the other officer said no. Um, and she, she stayed in the car. Yes. If she was in that house, she would have definitely smelled like smoke. If she claims that she was like in the house when it was set fire and she was drugged and kidnapped, she would smell like smoke. Oh, so this is a good thing that she doesn't smell like smoke. Yes. Okay. So they gave her a drug test to see if she was drugged before the results came back. Her grandma gets there and is just, like, over the moon that she's okay. Like, hugs, kisses galore. Like, classic grandma. I'm sure she's basking in this attention, too. Yeah. Like, probably squeezing the cheeks. Be like, oh, I'm so happy you're okay. Type of a thing, you know. (laughs) I'm gonna make you so many pies. Yeah, don't worry. I'm gonna make you food when we get back. Um, and then the officer comes back and says there's no drugs in her system, and she was arrested in front of her grandma. Oh, grandma! Yeah. Grandmas so, are honestly like the G's. Charles, they find out Charles and Bobby were, like, in on it, so they question them, and they immediately say Aaron told them to do everything. They ratted her out, like, right away. They didn't hold anything Good. back. Bitch deserves it. Yes, at first they didn't believe it, um, obviously. You know, you have a 16-year-old girl who's like, I didn't kill my parents. And you're like, oh, you're 16. Of course you didn't, you know. Um, but they I go mean, through... technically she didn't. Yeah, but they go through her phone because, I mean, she is being looked into at this point because of what Charles and Bobby had said. Oh, yeah. And there are messages from Aaron begging Charlie to come back and kill her parents. Which, like, even if, like, investigation discovery wasn't a thing. You would think you'd text messages. Those text messages. Yeah. Forensic files was 100% a thing back then. Oh, yeah. That show's old as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, ancient, but it's good. I love forensic files. I fall asleep watching forensic files. Me, too. They have FBI files. It's made by the same people that made forensic files. That one's really good, too. Check that one out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they tell Terry about this, and. He said that, like, when he heard the news that Aaron possibly was behind this, it, like, physically hurt him more than the 11 gunshot wounds. Yeah, that's your own daughter. He thought he was gonna die from this pain. People do actually die from heartbreak. Yeah. That is a thing. Yeah, so now they were busted and they started snitching on each other. Aaron changed her story a bunch of times and landed on the manipulative boyfriend story. Uh, Charlie was going to say that he did it to protect her. Um, Charles said, Charles, not Charlie, said he did it for the money to get custody of his kid and all that. So, I mean, pretty much everything was well, pointing to Aaron. Well, he's definitely not getting custody of this kid now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So everyone's pointing fingers at Aaron, basically, except for Charlie, which, I mean obviously that's his girlfriend so yes. he's just like i'm gonna protect you and even aaron's changed her story a couple of times in the interview you would think that oh don't tell me she gets away with this she doesn't okay um so the dad <laughs> wanted the, like the death penalty for charlie and charles and somehow terry got into court with a gun intending on killing charles and charlie what the fuck? I don't know how he did it i don't know how he got past security he didn't end up shooting them so like that's a good thing good job i'm gonna say it again terry you motherfucking badass <laughs> yeah and he like daydreamed about killing them so like i i don't know how this guy kept his cool throughout the court stuff but he did for the most part 
Um, so while he was at church, the pastor said to pray for the killers um, and that they would be forgiven. And after a while, Ter- Terry actually did end up forgiving him. And the char- like it changed his mind and he didn't want the death penalty. He told the courts he wanted them to have enough time to repent their sins and go to heaven. Wow, so, Terry. You yeah. have a huge heart. Yeah. I could never. How do you do a 180 from bringing a gun to court? To kill him. To yes. Like, I want you to get into heaven and I hope you repent your sins. Yeah, like, like that is... That's like, maybe I've been watching too much Avatar, but like... Oh. <laughs> that is like a whole new level of like... Everything. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't even know what what you would call that. Oh. Well, in court, another ex-boyfriend of Aaron's... Oh, okay. Maybe not another, because I'm pretty sure her and this Charlie dude are, like, probably still together at this point. But Aaron's ex-boyfriend comes in and testified that she had asked him to kill her parents, too. Hmm. Yeah, so Aaron ended up getting two life sentences... Two life sentences plus 25 years. She was eligible for parole in 2038. The two guys got life without possibility of parole. So Charlie and Charles. Bobby got 20 years. Well, you know, I hope she's getting a lot of therapy in prison. Oh, she's getting a lot of attention. Uh, (laughs) For a long time, Terry would sleep with a gun on his chest and like wake up panicked hearing gunshots and smelling small yeah probably got hella ptsd after that shit he said he still gets night tears but now the gun is in his nightstand not on his chest um that's good terry is still talking to aaron his daughter i was gonna ask if he talks to his daughter at all Um, he said sometimes it's hard to go see her but he forgives her and believes that charlie was actually the mastermind behind it all terry you're wrong man Terry got one divorce, and in 2008, he remarried um, another girl who I couldn't find the name of. I'm guessing she doesn't want to be heard of. Probably And they had four kids together, and they seemed pretty happy. Well, good. I'm glad Terry's moved on. Yeah, Aaron claims she does not love Charlie anymore, but Charlie says that he will always love Aaron, and the dog lived. (laughs) Very important note. Good, at least they didn't kill the dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the interviews, Aaron looked, like, super remorseful, but you can kind of tell she's, like, acting, and it seems like she's not really sorry she's at all. She's probably got some sort of psychological something going yeah. on in and there. And she refuses to admit that she's the one that planned it. Like, to this day, refuses. <laughs> You've Narcissus? already got life in prison. There is... What's the worst that is going to happen at this point if you yeah. admit it? So Aaron, well, I guess Dr. Phil actually did an interview with Aaron um, while she was in prison. There's quite a few people that have gone to prison to interview her. There's a good documentary watched about it. Um, I think it was on Netflix. If you type in like Aaron Caffey, you can find interviews with her while she's in prison and stuff like that. And it's, she's a really weird person. She's really young and like. It's definitely weird to see because she's not like the picture that you would expect when you hear the word prison. She has like blonde hair. She usually looks pretty nice for the interviews and like, it's weird. Hmm. Uh, So Dr. Phil asked Aaron, there's going to be a lot of quotes. So, okay. (laughs) Dr. Phil asked Aaron, quote, when or what did they do that was so bad um, that you were willing for them to be killed? And Aaron said, quote, nothing. Oh. Yes. Then he asked, quote, you had two little brothers in there. Did you ever think they were going to be killed? And Aaron replied, quote, it crossed my mind, yes. What the fuck? Yep. That's why I needed to refill my wine glass before I read (gasps) that shit. And I'm only halfway through. (laughs) I don't even like my brother, like, going to parties and stuff like that because I'm like, what if somebody, like, drugs you or gives you the wrong, like you know, something, you know, something happens to you. I'm like, make sure you text me when you go to bed and when you get home safe. And it's like, I'm a total mom to my little brother. So it's like, how could you do that to your siblings? Yeah. So next, Dr. Phil asked her, 
quote, what is the truth about what happened? And she said, quote, I knew about it and I was okay with it. Not like I planned it, but she admitted that she had known about it. She's a step up. The Dr. Phil got to her a little bit. Do you think she actually feels any remorse for it? No, not at all. Not at all. You can tell like, in the interviews. She cried a few times in the one that I watched, but it was when she was talking about, like, unrelated things. It was really weird. I don't like her. Yeah, no, she's kind of a bitch. Um, the last thing that Dr. Phil asked was if she had anything to say to her brothers. Uh if they could hear her and she said quote i'm sorry i think that's all i could say and he asked her like oh what about your mother basically and she replied quote she was right about everything hmm. there's a lot more to the dr phil interview he did like one episode about like him in like his usual like tv setting and like the chairs and like talking to the family he talked to terry and People that knew Aaron and stuff like that. And then the second part was him in prison interviewing Aaron. And there's like a whole hour long thing on that. Interesting to watch if you want to learn more about like her. But just know she's a fucking liar. So. <laughs> I am kind of curious though. Like how she goes about her lying. Like if it's super obvious or if it's genuinely good lying or. Yeah. Terry wrote a book about everything. Um. From before that night to, like, the night and the road to forgiveness is what he said. And it's called Aww. Tear by Night. That's, like, yeah, Go Terry. I'm glad he's thriving now. Terry's yeah. a motherfucking badass. It's a lot. I can't believe a 16-year-old was able to convince her 18-year-old boyfriend to kill her family. Like, and his friend. Bob, my boyfriend, I've been with him for almost seven years now. Damn, really? Yeah, my parents it was a hated <laughs> him. And sure, he wasn't necessarily a big fan of my parents because my parents didn't like him because I was a minor dating someone who wasn't a minor and blah, blah, blah. But never once did it cross my mind to be like, hey, I should kill my parents. Let's kill them. Like, <laughs> let's just end them. Then no. Together forever, you know, like. No, I was like, let's get through these three years. I'll be 18 soon. Like, it's fine. I mean, I may have blown a few fits and gotten a little sassy and said some mean comments, but I got through it and I turned 18 and I moved in with him. It's fine. See, she could have just done that if she really wanted to be with him. Like, Yes. It didn't seem like Charlie was really too bad of a guy. Maybe a little possessive and obsessed, but like... Yeah. You know, still toxic, but it seemed like he had genuine intentions with her. Like, he actually liked her, you know, and... They, I just want to know how... Telly was like, yeah, we can kill your parents. I want to know how long she was dropping the hints for. Because you can't just be like, oh, let's run away. You know what? Just kidding. Let's kill them. And have someone be okay with it. So, like... And her ex-boyfriend even came out in court and said that Aaron had asked him to kill her parents, too. So, like, I wonder if, like, right when they start dating, if she started, like, the rumors about her parents being bad people and, like, getting the idea in his head, you know? Like, slowly. Because you can't just drop that on someone. That's a lot. Yeah, if somebody just, like, out of the blue, mm -hmm. and, like, literally out of nowhere messaged me and was like, hey, you want to help me kill my parents? Especially someone that you've been, like, dating, though. Yeah. Like, that can't just come out of nowhere. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, I don't not. think I would actually ever be able to kill a human being anyways, but, like, I don't even want to kill a deer. No, I, I want to go either. hunting, but I don't want to kill a deer. <laughs> That's why I don't hunt. Even though my brother says it's very, um, exhilarating when you shoot your first deer, I'm like, oh. Yeah, I've been told that. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit there and I'll hold the gun, but whether or not I'll pull the trigger, who the fuck knows? I can't. 
I try. <laughs> it doesn't work. The venison tastes so good. My dad gave up on trying to get me into hunting with him. I just, I don't got the balls. I can't do it. I wish I had the balls. Me too. At least then someone would be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> least take some kind of accountability it would make it better but she's just like deny 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 like she thinks she is going to get out who does she think that she's even fucking convincing pure narcissism she's gotta be i think that's why she has so many interviews with different people and different companies and like different documentaries and because they're so interested in why she keeps lying about it when everybody knows well yeah and she agrees to them because she thinks oh if i say the same story enough people are gonna believe it when really her story changes every fucking time i think i might be a narcissist like Loki. <laughs> I have issues admitting when I'm wrong. But uh I do too, but like I it's in a healthy way. I well, eventually healthy, I'll do it. It'll be like an hour or two delayed, but eventually I come to my senses. Once I sit on it and yeah. I actually think about it, I'm like, you know what? I actually was kind of wrong there and it's like I can admit it to myself, but admitting it to people and getting the words actually out is the hard part. Yeah. Like a temporary narcissist? <laughs> I call it narcissistic tendencies. <laughs> okay, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> if you have any spooky stories or things you want us to look into, email us. Um, our email is theclawcrypt at gmail.com. We are doing another Reddit spooky stories episode soon, so if you email Yay. them to us, we should be able to get them into that episode. Please do it. Yes. It would be cool to have, like, an actual story from someone that's not on Reddit. We're sorry we left you for so long, but do it. (laughs) Yeah. Life got crazy, but now we're going to, like... Please forgive us. Be like Terry. Forgive us. Yes. We're going to (laughs) have episodes on standby so that we can, like, consistency. Oh, once West Memphis comes out, you guys are going to be, like, full of content. Oh, yeah. You can't even... You won't know what to do with it. We're dropping all four, possibly five parts at once. Maybe even six. Depends on how deep we go. Oh, man. Uh, follow us on the Facebooks, Instagrams. I don't even... I gave up on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think... So, we don't Twitter. No. Follow well, us on we will talk to you guys later, hopefully with Spooky Reddit Stories and then West Memphis. If everything goes according to plan, we might sneak Mary Fagan in there. And a possible Jack the Ripper part two. Yes. I gotta get that one out. We shall see. Okay, we'll... We still need to come up with, like, a fancy outro. Yeah, we do. We need to just say bye. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. Yeah. Bye. Bye.